This is The Legal Impact, a podcast presented by the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law, now accepting applications for JD and graduate programs. Learn more and apply at law.umnh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire and UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead, and today I'm joined by Professor Bill Murphy. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, AJ. It's always good to be talking with you. AI, obviously, is all over the place. We've had some previous discussions around machine learning and AI and aspects of that, but there was, like, on the mainstream, a huge technological jump with new products over the last few months when it comes to artificial intelligence and large language models. And uh, red flags are raising with many people in uh, white collar jobs. Like, is this going to be tremendously impactful to the future of my field? And I, I thought it was, it'd be an interesting conversation to discuss the possible impacts on uh, artificial intelligence models like ChatGPT and such for the legal field. So, I mean, to start off with at a high level, are products like ChatGPT and the new large language models going to have a huge impact on the legal field, do you think? Um, yes and no. <laughs> it's going to have impact that we don't see and are not predicting correctly now. But the whole AI thing, this is just a, a beginning step. And I think some of the problems that we're seeing, and the reason this is attractive, it got opened up to a lot of people, and it appears to be something it's not. So it looks like it is answering things intelligently, where all it's doing is probability of words following other words. And then people say, well, it's hallucinating. No, it's not. It's, it's looking at its database, and it says it's most probable that these type of things would appear. And the prompting of these, um, a chat GPT in particular, but most of those models with the generative AI is really the key. If, if, if you type in something, in fact, I did this with my partner, we typed in uh, a, a prompt that said, um, explain how elephants evolved from horses. And it went off and wrote a whole story. Um, it didn't know what it was writing. It was just putting things together in a story that would be like that. And it, it talked about, you know, how Elephants evolved from horses and cited people that were real people in, in evolution because those people would appear in a study and say things like that. So a lot of that's just the people using it don't understand the limitations. Um, I, 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 I make it similar to the people that think they've got a car that can self-drive. Uh, yeah, it does some stuff. It won't run into the car in front of you if you're paying attention. It's it's aimed right, and, but it's not going to be able to drive down the highway. It, it, it doesn't sense everything. It only senses a, a small part of that universe you need if you want to be safe in that car. So that's where we are. But it's, it's early days, and I think this is going to be very promising. We've already had a lot of AI already helping out, like um, predictive coding. Like when I started law um, you know, in antitrust, we had a computer, but the, the associates, the, the beginning people, we had to go through every single document and then code it into the computer. You know, sort of machine-assisted manual work. Nowadays, machines will scan it, and they'll do analytics of the, the evidence, and it'll make predictions of, well, this is, this is good stuff, this is a good document you should look at, rather than having the, you know, armies of low-level attorneys go through that. If anything, I really think from the for the legal field, at least for 
like probably one of the most um, impactful ways that will be effective is the legal research into things where you're going to be able to probably have much more efficient ways of uh, in, instead of relying on very specific keywords, it's probably going to be a little more intelligent enough to associate different things and better ways to be able to retrieve data in, in like Lexus and things like that. Well, I mean, I think that's what's what you, you've got it right on. So what is the database that it's looking at? If it is looking at a database that is filled with bad law, it's going to give you back bad law. If it is looking at a well, you know, created, you know, legal database, then perhaps the inquiries will come back more intelligent. And I think that's where we're going. There's a company, Case Tech, that has their co-counsel. Um, I, I, you know, I think we're going to see more of that already. Lexus is making noises about, you know, they're going to add, everybody's adding AI. But, uh, you know, I'm not sure everybody knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, even when you look at what's on the consumer market right now for things that are in beta, like when it comes to like ChatGPT is like a different thing. Like that's a great thing for writers, maybe if they're doing a first draft or something like that, or do a quick search and have it create something. But Microsoft has jumped jumped in early with a beta model for their Bing search engine, which I think is a lot is going to be a lot more worth. This sort of technology is going to be useful, and like you're saying, for the database. And I think you're right. It will be eventually. But one of the things I think Microsoft's already talked about is we're going to provide citation. You know, where did we get this information from? Now, that brings up the other problem is somebody probably owns that information. It's copyrighted or it's you, you got the, the data from me and I didn't even know I gave it to you. You know, and this is where Google has a huge advantage. They've got a massive amount of information. But a lot of it is, you know, web scraping that. You know, I'm not sure that we've really come to grips with them pulling off information that we would think is private information and they may start using. Yeah, it's like a chicken and egg issue. What is the IP issue when it comes to artificial intelligence? Is it the fact it's taking it? Is it the fact that these uh, web services have publicly posted your information in a way that's easily scrapable by uh, services like this? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same problem we have if... You know, I take a great picture because I have a great camera. Um, how much of that great picture is my camera and how much of that is me? Yes, I framed it and all this, but after I got, went into post, I can play around. Maybe it's the playing around. I think that, you know, prompt engineering is going to be a new legal job. You'll have people that are being hired for a short period of time, at least, legal prompt engineers who write good prompts to get good information out of these databases. Just like, you know, people that knew how to do good search. You know, they, they knew how to do it. They didn't read everything. They, they, they knew, okay, I'll start here. Or I, then I'll follow that lead. And I'll follow that lead. Yeah. And I'll put a link to this in the episode description at uh, law.unh.edu slash podcast. If you somehow didn't hear about this case, but this this lawyer's article in Forbes where a lawyer was using ChatGPT to uh, write some of his uh, legal arguments in a case. And it was the, the hallucination effect is what it's commonly referred to. But like you said, it's, it's bad data. Like it's it's super important, especially for many years to come with these models that you need to review absolutely everything that's going into it, especially if you don't want to risk getting disbarred if you're bringing it to court. Well, I mean, it's, it, the, the interesting thing is, like, at what point is this, like, supercharged 
uh, Grammarly, where it's checking your grammar and checking your spelling. We all use spelling checkers and 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 uh, you know check your grammar or Grammarly type things, and nobody has a problem with that. I think though, if you know if if you're just not using it in that sense, but you're relying on it and just going, well, that must be right. There's there comes the problem, and that's I think people not understanding what it's doing. If, if you say, give me a case that says this, it will do that. It, it, it will give you a case. It will make one up. It will sometimes use a case name that's correct. I was talking with uh, someone who works at the patent office, and they apparently have had one of their first instances of a lawyer turning in a patent that apparently they used ChatGPT, and the references don't match. They're, they're real patent numbers. It, you know what this reminds me of? Wikipedia when it first came out. This sounds like exactly like Wikipedia, where instead of a bunch of randos on the internet uh, posting things on onto the this new internet internet's own encyclopedia, um, it, now we're using the this rogue robot on on the internet that that's doing the same thing. Yeah, but how much of this is like it? It, it, it's, it starts to wear off as people know. Okay, that was fun. It reminds me of Eliza. Years and years ago, we had that that psychiatry um, response system, and people thought, "Oh, it's 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 giving me therapy." No, it wasn't. It, if you asked, you know, um, if you say, you know, "Oh, I'm having trouble with the family," it would just go, "Why are you having family troubles?" You know, and it was just you know wrote you know reporting you know response that was programmed in, and but people want to have you know, something they're talking with, or it's, it is intelligently helping them out. We are not anywhere near that yet. And as long as people understand that, you know, if you think chat GPT is going to give you answers that, you know, uh, you know, some inventive answers, it will, but they won't be correct. You have to understand it's just going through and the way it does it is it looks up probabilities. When people say, oh, it's got all this bias. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff on the web is biased. So it just pulls it out. It's not biased. It's not anything. Yeah, yeah. The co the code the code doesn't doesn't have that that sort of issue going on. It's whatever whatever it's strong. It's just like any other. It's like the next level search engine. It really seems like in many ways for for this, especially when we're talking about the legal research side of it, it. This is in theory the brain behind the next Google sort of product of some sort, which which is fascinating and could be so revolutionary uh, with regards to like how you utilize resources, and it'll be really interesting to follow going forward. I mean, I think the real real problem right now immediately. For the legal profession, is going to be you can have evidence that is easily faked, and we will have trouble with our current ways of looking at it to determine that. Particularly visual, so somebody says, "Oh, I, I here, here's the video from my ring cam, and it shows you know AJ was there robbing my house yesterday." I could probably make that today online, just going out and doing that. Are we capable yet of making sure that all those deep fakes and faked evidence, faked emails don't come in? It's like the Photoshop issue of when that first went mainstream turned up to 11. 
Yeah, and now it's going to get worse. Now, I've seen some of the ones say that they're going to have a watermark, but it's a voluntary watermark. Well, if I'm trying to be a criminal, I'm not going to pick that voluntary watermark. Um, and other people are going to use the technology that will not put a watermark in it, too. Like, this technology is exploding quickly nowadays, and it doesn't take, with computers being so inexpensive nowadays, like, anyone could have their own server like it's not like you need a huge data center in order to have your own program exist on the internet like there, there's this open world now of technology that's it's progressing it's like it hasn't slowed down over the last 40 but, years but people forget to create chat gpt open ai um that cost millions and millions of dollars they had to scrape through a ton of of data. It costs a lot. And you think Bitcoin consumes a lot of electricity. Generative AI consumes a ton of, in, of, of energy just trying to compute all those connections that it's making. Now, it, it's brilliant when it does it, but who can pay for that? Who has that capability? The, the, the thing we're going to find out, yeah, it's going to be Google, Microsoft. That's why Microsoft owns a big hunk of open AI. Open AI was going to be for profit, or not for profit. Now it's a for profit company, and Microsoft has a piece of it. Because only those companies are going to be able to engage in this level of data investment. And eventually, if we have to pay for it, that's even going to be more expensive, and only certain people will have that capability. Now, that's going to be something we'll have to think about. Do you think this is so? It seems like you have the opinion this is a baby step towards the really big steps. Like, this is something it's going to be like, um, you imagine how much Google, for example, has changed over the last, what, 15 years, 20 years, however long, 20 years probably it's been around. I, I mean, is it kind of similar like that? We're talking a while before it really comes to what we're envisioning in our head. Like, we always, I feel like people always think, like, this is the future. This is exactly what we have right now is the future, when it almost never is exactly that. It's always some different variation. Of, I, I, I think you're right. Like, a lot of people say, oh, what happened with the, the first couple other generations of AI? Well, some of them, let's say, like, machine learning really did take off. Most cars are made with robot you know, welders. You go to a, a food factory and nobody's in it. Um, you know, I, I like that idea. You know, it's like it's it is, it is being used. It's just not being used the way people thought it might be used. I think these human interaction elements of our society are the ones that are, are, are the most difficult. But it does have the, the, the possibility in the law, let's say, of I need to know what my rights are about something simple. And, you know, the cheapest lawyer you can get is hundreds of dollars an hour or else you're going to go to some pro bono clinic or something like that and hope that you can stand in line. This may actually open up law that could be OK, but I want somebody else to vet that, like a law school could vet that, OK, make sure this is the advice, the general advice this thing gets is, is, is OK. Just like we've got to test the cars that are using AI to drive around. You know, we got to make sure that they've got this figured out. And maybe, okay, we have to keep them in a little forest that only is this wide and they know all the roads. Um, can't let them go in the snow. We can't let them go into Oregon. They have to stay in San Francisco. Okay, maybe that's what we have to do for a while to make sure that it's not trying to be something it's not. But I do think it, it has the possibility of helping out a lot. Yeah, it seems like 
we we always talk about with the court system especially that there there's these demands that the court system has an almost impossible time of being able to 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 complete the like backlogs things like that the immigration system everything going on with getting people processed through the system like this could like down the road obviously but any it i don't see technologies like this destroying any field essentially like it's only going to make it possibly easier and more cost effective be able to have um these industries react quicker and more efficiently well i mean i think that things will be different i think that if i were a court stenographer that was typing on that machine i'd be worried because speech recognition in the last 10 years has really gotten good. Um, I use it now when I give feedback for exams and I just talk. Um, I use it when I'm driving around. I want to send a text message to somebody, hands-free, no problem. And it's pretty good. And I've noticed it's gotten better than even the last five years. So that's this AI has done this. Now, has that changed people's jobs? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like we used to have switchboard operators. I'm not sure it's a bad thing that as long as we make sure we understand that people are going to have to move out and we should be warning people, technology is coming down your pike. You're not going to be a lawyer that has to learn how to shepherdize cases. They're going to automatically do that. When I was in law school, you had to learn how to shepherdize a case, which meant how do you trace its history? Has it been overruled or is this case limiting that? Whatever's going on. And it was, it was very mechanical and it was done um, in a book called Shepherds. And, and, and we had to learn how to use that book. Now it's just a brand name for a, a, an automatic system that goes and looks up the, the later treatment. And, and nobody's going, oh, let's bring back that old thing. Um, the other thing is like all people now have access to the law, all the cases, so a little law firm is, is as powerful as what big law firms used to be because their, their major magic weapon was they had a big library. Now the, the information is available to all of you. I think that's a good equalizing thing. Professor Bill Murphy, thank you so much for joining me for the show. Thank you, AJ. Thanks for listening to Legal Impact presented by UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. To help spread word about the show, please be sure to subscribe and comment on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Get the back episodes of the show and podcast links at law.unh.edu slash podcast.